0: welcome to practical christian living
1: jesus said in this world you'll have trouble but i have overcome the world it's not about living here and there are all kinds of people today who teach that what god wants from you is for you to be rich and they ignore these other passages some of them say the only thing that we can do is listen to jesus and the rest of the bible is misunderstood and jesus never said that you were going to have difficulties which is a lie by the way Because Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble.
0: In studying God's word and many of our heroes found in the pages of scripture, we see that hard times and trials are exactly what brought about the characteristics that inspire us and fuel our hope. God doesn't want us comfortable, but he does want us to have peace. The peace that comes from knowing that whatever rocky road lies ahead, God's already there and He will give us exactly what we need to come out victorious. With more on Jesus as our Shepherd in our series Jesus Appointments, here's Robert Furrow.
1: And when Jesus lifted up His eyes and seen a great multitude coming towards Him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these to eat? Now, we know from the other Gospels that when they looked and they saw the great crowds, that that they said, send them away, Lord, get them away. They were like, this hasn't been enough time. We need more time to be able to deal with this grief. And, And by the way, there's no way around grief. You just, you've just got to accept it. Sometimes you see people move on really quickly from grief. And that's, in my opinion, that's always a mistake. I have some experience with my own personal grief and I know that you have to take it full on. It would be nice to get distractions and get away from it, but, but you've got to really go through those periods and those times of grief. It's the only way to get through it in a real healthy way, to come out the other end and, and to be able to remember the, the joy and the blessing of having that person in your life. If you push it away, then it ends up being an open wound that festers for, for long periods of time. And so they've got to now deal with the crowds again. Verse six, but this he said to them to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Where are you going to buy food for all these people, Philip? Where are you going to get it? And he tested them because he knew what he was going to do. This is going to be, he's going to use this as a great analogy. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii. That's 200, that's 200 days wages. 200 denarii is not enough bread. It isn't sufficient to feed them. Every one of them, even a little bit. Where are we going to buy food? We don't have 200 denarii. Where are we going to, we don't, where are we going to get it? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here with five barley loaves. Interesting side note, every time we see Andrew in the Bible, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Every time Andrew's brought up, Andrew brings Peter to meet Jesus. Andrew brings the Greeks to meet Jesus. Andrew brings the boy with the five loaves to meet Jesus. Andrew is an example of the Bible of bringing people to Jesus. We want to be like Andrew. We want to be aware that people need to come to Jesus. I I don't need to be anything spectacular. I just got to bring him to Jesus because he's spectacular. So if I'm just bringing him to Jesus, that's all I need to do. And so he brings this lad and he has five barley loaves and he has two small fish. And then it says, but what is this among so many? And here becomes what I believe is the obvious lesson from this. And that is that I have five barley loaves I have a couple of fish and God says I want you to use them for me give them to me I'm gonna I'm gonna use them and we say well what is that among so many so many people do not give to God of their gifts of their talents of their finances because they feel like what is that among so many what what am I able to do with this and God's gonna give us a great lesson here you know, the Lord, and I talk about this when we have our offertory Sundays, but it's really true. God, I, I'm, I'm hoping that during this message that there are people being impacted. I hope people are being encouraged. I hope by the end of it, that God's doing something spiritual in people's lives. But I realize that, that God could do that without me. That God could supernaturally minister to your heart. He could do that in any way that he wanted to. He could have you see a sunset he could he could he could work in your thoughts in a gentle way and he could he could get whatever he wants to convey to you however he che- and he could do it better than with me around but god chooses to use me and I, and i make things worse i don't do it as efficiently i get on rabbit trails i tell stories i just you know it's like i don't communicate as well as god could do it but god allows me to do it it reminds me of when my youngest son I was in the mode of restoring cars when he was four or five years old. I'd restored a 69 Chevelle SS with a 396 in it, by the way. And I restored a, uh, a 68 Camaro that I put a 454 in. Uh, and it was fun to do. I don't do it anymore. But it was fun just restoring those cars, using some of the skills I learned as a young man, as a, as a mechanic and an auto upholsterer. That's right. You're learning the Bible from a mechanic and an auto upholsterer. Uh, using those skills that I had then was fun. But Chris would always want to help. He was always wanting to be around, you know, he's like, I want, can I, can I help you? And, and certain times it was great, but other times it's, it's difficult. I'm underneath this car. I'm trying to put these headers in. There's no room for me to get my hands in there. And he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, all right, come under here. All right, take this wrench and tighten that down. And I'm just, look over there. There you go. Finish it up. You know, that's, it's just, it's, he just gets in the way. And I think I get in the way of God, but God says, that's what I want. God has chosen not to do it on his own in a more efficient way. He does it the inefficient way and he lets us get involved. And God wants all of us to be involved. God wants to use you to touch the lives of people around you. And then he gives you rewards in heaven. Don't stack up treasures here on earth, but stack them up in heaven. And God is able, when you invest in the kingdom of God, he says you have rewards in heaven. So God lets me do what I do now and if I'm doing it with the right motive, which is a whole nother question, whether or not I am, but if I do it with the right motive, then I'm going to be rewarded for it in heaven. God not only lets me do what he could do more efficiently, but he rewards me for it. But we feel like, well, what is that among so many? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot more than what you think because our God can do something with it. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Verse 10, now there was much grass in that place. So they sat down in numbers of about 50, excuse me, a number of about 5,000. The other Gospels tells us that was just the men. So there was women and children. There's a large number of people. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. What did he thank God for? Lord, I thank you for these five barley loaves and these two fish, that we may enjoy this meal among 5,000 people. You know, the Bible says, do everything with thanksgiving. The Bible says, don't worry, don't be anxious, but everything in prayer, supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When's the last time that you thanked God for something that was insufficient? I don't know, this isn't gonna meet the needs. When's the last time you said, Lord, I thank you for that? That's what Jesus does. He thanks God for that which is insufficient because God has the power to meet our needs. There's a great biography, and I don't know how many people read it today, but it's the George Mueller biography. Are you familiar with it? It's a fantastic biography of a great man of faith. He ran orphanages is what he did. His whole life was taking care of of fatherless children. And uh, there's a great story where he didn't have any milk for the kids. And he sat them all down on their tables and all their glasses were empty. And he said, Lord, I wanna thank you for this meal and for this milk that you have provided. In the name of Jesus, amen." And then there was a knock on the door. And there was a a, a guy delivering milk out front. He says, my truck just broke down. I got all this milk that's gonna be spoiled. Do you need any? It's like, what a crazy thing. But I wonder how much God's looking for us to have a little bit of faith that we might just say, what I have right now is not sufficient but my God promised me that he's gonna take care of all my needs and it will be sufficient. God will take care of it. And so he thanks God for this and then he distributes it among the disciples. Notice again, God's not doing things himself. Jesus could could just get, he could go around and give the bread to everybody. He could supernaturally just make bread appear in front of them, but he doesn't do that. He uses the disciples and this is a sign to us that God is using us as salt, as light, to go out in the world and to, to meet people's needs. And so then it says, so then, uh, when they were filled, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted, they could eat as much as they wanted. He just kept doing it, kept doing it until they were done. So they sit back and go, I better quit this amazing food. So when they were filled, his disciples gathered up fragments that remained so that nothing was lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves that were left over that had not been eaten. So each of them go out and they gather up a basket and when they're done, they got 11 of them. i excuse me, 12 of them. You think it's any coincidence that there's 12 disciples and there's 12 extra baskets full? That God isn't saying to us when we're doing God's work, look, I'm going to give you more. You, you, you what, what is that against among so many? What do I have to offer among so many? And God says, I don't even make it more. I'm going to make it more than sufficient what you have to, what, what I can do through you. Because our God is a God who multiplies. Paul said to the Corinthians, he was raising money From the Gentiles to minister to the Jews that were in Jerusalem that had been impoverished. And so Paul says to the the Corinthians, I don't want your money, I I want you and the fruit that abounds to your account. And then he said, And God will multiply your gift. I love that. He's saying, What whatever you give, God's gonna take that like a seed and he's gonna multiply it. I believe that God multiplies our gifts. I believe that when we give, we give by faith and that God does more with that than what we could do normally with it. God multiplies what we give to him. And that's why when you say, I don't have much to give, but I'm gonna give it anyway, like the woman that gave her two pennies in the, in the temple and Jesus said she gave more than everybody because she gave away everything that she had. He was more excited about those two cents than he was worth the big sacrifices or, or the big offerings that were given. So I encourage people, give. Always be a giver. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, so, so God will give back to you sparingly you abundantly. Be generous, always be a giver. E- even if you're, you're, it's really tight, be a giver. Because it's not about that. God will take that that you give and he will use it and you will receive a reward in heaven because of that. That's not why we give it. It's just amazing that God does that that we take whatever we have and it might feel very insufficient and we give it and then God does something with it that's amazing and then God gives us a reward in heaven for what we were by faith giving to him. That's what we're doing is we're living by faith. In verse 14 it says, then those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did said, truly the prophet, uh, or, or this is truly a prophet, excuse me, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, at this point, they might be getting close because Moses said, there's going to come a prophet like me. And they're like, Moses gave us manna in the wilderness. Jesus just gave us bread to eat supernaturally. Maybe this is the prophet that is like Moses. But they still don't understand who Jesus is. And so then we go to uh, verse 26. Jump ahead a little bit. So what's happened in the interim is that Jesus has left them and they're continuing to seek him. They're continuing to search him out. They find him in another place. And Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. He says, truly, I'm telling you, the reason you keep looking for me is you want me to make you more bread. You want me to provide for your needs. That is always the wrong reason to follow Jesus. He said he would. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. But that's not why we seek him. And one of the great, great false teachings of our day, which has a resurgence now, is the false teaching that God wants you rich, God never wants you sick. There are new teachers who are teaching it, and there are a lot of people who are believing it. It's really easy to get people to believe that. Jesus wants you rich. Amen, brother. I'm in 100% agreement. God God wants you to never have a problem, to never be sick. Amen. I I want that too. But when you begin to study the Scriptures, you see that it is full of sacrifice. It is full of persecutions. It is full of tribulations. It is full of hardships. Don't, you know, consider it joy when you encounter various trials. Don't be surprised when you have fiery trials. You You ever read those kind of promises? Consider it joy. Various trials, I don't want to consider trials joy. In fact, I have a hard time doing that one. Man, life's so hard right now. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> or surprised about fiery trials. I'm always like, fiery trials? Why, why fiery? Can't it just be a normal trial? Does it have to be a fiery trial? Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble, but, but, but I have overcome the world. It's not about living here. And there are all kinds of people today who teach that what God wants from you is for you to be rich and they ignore these other passages. Some of them say the only thing that we can do is listen to Jesus and the rest of the Bible is misunderstood and Jesus never said that you were going to have difficulties. Which is a lie, by the way. Because Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. And don't be surprised, even rejoice when men persecute you. And so he said, you're following me because you were fed. And then he says, do not labor for food which perishes. Don't go to all this effort for something that's going to perish, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. If you're going to invest, don't invest in something that's going to perish, but invest in the eternal. He says, because God the Father has set his seal on him. He's saying, God has set his seal on me, and if you believe in me, it will be for eternity. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? We, if we're not supposed to seek the bread, what do we need to do to do with the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who he sent. Now, this is the real reason for the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. He made them bread because he is the bread of life. And if you partake of him, then you will live forever. Then you will, you will, you will have all of your eternal needs met. And, and eternity is not just vacation forever, by the way. I got a, I got a letter. I would said that a while back. I said that, they, that eternity is not vacation forever because that, sometimes that's what we think. Somebody told me one time, in, in, in heaven, you're always going to shoot par. In, in heaven, there are only 400-inch bulls. You, uh, you hunters will understand that one, right? That's what heaven is to people. It's like it's vacation forever. I get sick of vacation after two weeks. That's not what heaven is. There's so much more. It's so much richer. It's so much more incredible. And Jesus says, don't labor for what you get today, but labor for what you're going to have for eternity, which will be ruling and reigning with him. And I can't even get into all of that that is. I would like to now go down a rabbit trail, but I won't. And so he says, "Um, um, believe in the Son of God. So verse 30, they said to him, what sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. He just fed, they following him because he fed 5,000 miraculously. Jesus says, believe on him who sent you. And they're like, what sign are you going to show us so we believe you? In other words, they're still, they're still trying to get bread. What are you going to show us? Give us another meal. Maybe we'll believe. What work will you do? The end of verse 30. Our father ate manna in the deserts, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. In the wilderness, God, uh, Moses provided for us. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I said to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses. But my Father give you, gives you true bread from heaven. There was the Father that gave them bread from heaven, and God's giving you bread from heaven right now. For the bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And they said to him, Lord, give us bread always. Just still want a meal. After all of this, they're just one track mind. Okay, give us bread always. And Jesus said to them, and here's the great lesson, the last of the nuances, the most obvious, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He he is the end. It's all about him. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Can you imagine They see these great miracles. They see what's happening with diseased people. They see the miracle of feeding of the 5,000 and yet they do not believe because they aren't willing to receive him. Our our life as a Christian is not about what we can get from him. It's not even about what we can do for him. That's part of this lesson here, right? That we can take what we have and that God, God opens up and uses it. That's part of the lesson. But the real lesson is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in closing, think of the church of Ephesus, the letter that was written to them by Jesus in Revelation. He said, you guys are good. You guys are are doing the work of the gospel. And you guys are testing those who are false prophets and you're finding them to be liars and you're doing a good job. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. They, They were no longer loving Jesus. They were doing so much for him. They were so worried about right theology that they left that love relationship with Christ. We have to work on that love relationship with Him. He says, remember from where you have fallen, return to your, you're doing your first works and repeat, do them again. Go back to that place where it's just you and Jesus. It's really what it's about. I mean, that's, that's why you came to Christ in the first place. I think of when Jesus began to draw me, it was through such a blasphemous movie. The, the Jesus Christ Superstar is just a blasphemous movie. Me and my wife were talking about it last night. She watched it when she was a kid and was drawn to Christ through it. I watched it and I was compelled with the person of Jesus. I'd never really seen the betrayal of, of Judas and the denial of Peter played out. And I was so compelled to the person of Christ. And then when I was told I could have a personal relationship with Jesus, I received him as my savior. And if I have moved away from that in my life, I always need to come back to that. It was all about that Jesus that I wanted to know, that one who sacrificed and gave his life for me. That's what we need to be about. And yeah, he's gonna use us. Yes, he's gonna multiply us. Yes, what is our, do we have anything to offer God? The answer is every person here does. There's not a person here who doesn't have something to offer God. When you put it in God's hand, God uses you. But it all comes down to the bread of life. Let's come back to him. Let's find ourselves sitting at his feet, learning from his word again and staying close with him, keeping that fresh love with Christ. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for the work that you are doing. We thank you for how you work in our lives and for the different things that you do. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Help us to understand that we do have something to offer you. Whatever that would be that every one of us do. And we want to give our gifts to you. What is it among so many? Well, you multiply it. And Father, we want to come to you and know you and walk with you as the bread of life. We want to never get caught up in what the the things that you give us, which are many. We don't want to get caught up in the things which we do for you, which we're by the power of your spirit, which are awesome. But we want to keep you front and center. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. But I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today, And you've never received Jesus the Bible says as many as receive him he gives the power to become a child of God he'll bring you in as a child if you receive him today or maybe you did sometime in the past but you you didn't follow through maybe you did for a while but you haven't been following him for a while and today Jesus has you here or watching online or listening on reach radio and and he's saying come back to me now and if that is the case then you need to return to him as well I met Christ at 14. I I walked away at 18 and came back to him at 19. And I can tell you that God did a powerful work in my life both times I came to him. And God will do a powerful work in your life as well today if you say, I want you in my life. You don't become a Christian by osmosis. You don't become a Christian just because you start watching something on the internet or because you start listening to something on the radio or because you start going to church. You become a Christian when you say, I want you in my life. I receive you. If you don't want him, you don't have to ask. But if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it, Jesus said. But if you lose your life for my sake, you save it. So if you're here today and you would like to to invite Christ into your life, you want to be deliberate about it, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple. Right where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed, right where you are, raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift up high so I can see it. You're saying, I want Christ in my life. God bless you, ma'am, sir. You as well, sir. That's great. God bless you guys down here couple. God bless you, ma'am. Sir, under the balcony. Ma'am, my left. You're, you're coming to the bread of life. You're, you're coming to the one who can make you satisfied. God bless you, sir. They're in the back of the balcony underneath. All right. You can put your hands down. And I would like everyone, including those who raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father. I confess that I've sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God.
0: Pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.